All right, I want you to notice in verse 5 of Revelation chapter 17, it says, And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So continuing on with mysteries, we're to Mystery Babylon. I've been waiting as long as I can to get to some of these final mysteries just because they get a little more difficult and they require a lot more study. And so we're going to look at this Mystery Babylon. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you know, some deep stuff here and we're going to spend just one week on this probably could spend a few weeks on it but I'm, we're going to spend one week on it just because of the fact that uh i don't want to get real dogmatic in areas that i'm just not real sure and i i could definitely make myself look bad on a few things in here this is definitely not one of my areas of expertise but one thing i do want us to get from this message is uh that you know, I don't know for sure, you know, I'm not going to get up here and just make a super hard line stance that this, in fact, is what Babylon is. But I am going to warn us about some things that we need to watch for, about what Babylon, of course, what it represents and what, you know, I guess when I say what Babylon is, as far as what it promotes and uh, what it's all about, I think that's pretty clear in the scriptures. And that's something that we need to understand, some, some things that are very important, but kind of the three main views that I've heard on what Babylon is, is of course, uh, Jerusalem. A lot of people believe that it's talking about Jerusalem. And there's some real good arguments for that. And I'm going to show you some of the scriptures that people use to show that it's Jerusalem. Uh, and a lot of people believe it's a revived Roman Empire. And when you look at just chapter 17, I, you know, I can see where people get that idea for sure. And then, of course, you know, USA. People think United States of America... Uh, that it is Babylon. And I think especially when you look at chapter 18, you're going to say, you know, it's it's got to be the United States of America. And, you know, more than likely, that's probably what it is. And I'm, I'm going to show you what kind of where all these ideas come from. And I don't want to sound like, you know, this isn't normally like me. And, you know, normally I'm hard line on everything. But I can I want to show you, I think when it comes to all three of these positions, I think I can show where, People are getting that idea from, and then maybe sure they're missing the mark. Because I don't personally believe it's Jerusalem or even a revived Roman Empire, but I see where they're getting it. And I think I'm going to be able to show this to you in a way where you can uh, kind of see where that idea comes from and then show where they're partially right. And, you know, it's not that everybody's right. Okay, I'm not taking that position, but at the same time, you know, they, you know, everybody has some sort of basis, some scriptures, but it's like, what fits the whole Bible? That's the big question. And somebody, some people might say, well, none of them fit the whole Bible. Well, maybe that's because of the fact that Mystery Babylon is not completely around yet. You know, that, but it is important that we study, that we know what to watch for, because when it does in fact surface, and I don't, I personally do not believe it actually is here yet. I think it's coming. I think we can see it coming. And I'm looking real close to the United States because of what I see coming in the Bible and what I see going on in America. But I think if there, if because um, when you look at some of the things that maybe America doesn't fit, well, it's because we're just not there yet. We have not entered that time. We have not entered the tribulation yet. And so once we all actually enter into the tribulation, it will all come together then when it really matters. But right now, it's something that we're just kind of looking ahead to. We don't know how far away it is. I like to think it's real close, but it might not be 
uh, for a long time. And, and things can change fast. Okay, Look how much things change just after 9-11. So just imagine what's going to happen if somebody drops a nuke somewhere in the world. They're going to use that to just change everything. So things can change so fast. So we got to know what to watch for. That's the important thing. What to watch for. But notice, so in verse 1, it says in there, Came out of one of the seven angels, or there came out one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked to me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So notice what it calls this woman. It calls her a great whore. Now that is not a compliment. That is a very, uh, that's a, that's a very strong name. That is not a good thing. This is obviously, this city is represented by an evil woman, by a great whore. And notice in verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So she's, she's been around. The kings of the earth have fornicated with her. Okay, a whore. It's a woman that, that gets around. Okay, I don't want to get too descriptive tonight. But look at verse 15 of chapter 17, what it says. It says, And she saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth are people and multitudes and nations and tongues. So it mentions this woman that sits on many waters, and the Bible makes it very clear what that means. You know, it means that you know she sitteth. You know, it's talking about many peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So this woman, she gets around. She's all over the place, and that's interesting because you know uh, if you look at Proverbs chapter seven and verse ten. It's talking about that woman with the attire of a harlot. And it says that she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. It says that she um, now is without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. How does one woman lie in wait at every corner? Alright, what's that talking about? It just means she's just all over the place. And I've known some women before that they're just all over the place. You know, they get around. You know, some of those hardcore gossips. It's just amazing how they get around and they're just always all over the place. And we see, you know, that uh, this woman here in Proverbs with the attire of a harlot who ends up acting like a harlot and doing the work of a harlot, probably because she was a harlot. We see her just being all over the place, not in her house, not in her own place. And to me, that's a strong evidence of the United States right there, because are we not all over the place in places where we do not belong? And I'm going to get all the Fox News Baptists mad at me with that kind of thing, but I don't think we should be all over the world. All of you don't understand, you know, America's the only thing keeping stability in the world. Well, that's what they're telling us. But the truth is, I think we got our nose in too many places that it doesn't belong, and I don't think we're really helping. But when you stop and think about it, I mean, what other nation is all over the world like the United States? And... We're places that we shouldn't be. And I'll show you more evidence in a little bit on how the United States just fits the description of a whore. But um, notice, though, in verse 3, it says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Okay, so she's sitting on a beast. And I believe that this beast here... It represents a one world government, not just the Antichrist, but a one world government. Seven heads, ten horns. We'll see a little bit more of that in a, in a little bit. But this beast, it is that it's that one world government. Look what it says in verse eight. 
It says the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell upon the earth shall wander whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they beheld, behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Okay, something that was, something that used to be alive and was not, it died and yet is something that came back to life. And a lot of this is where people get the whole idea of a revived Roman Empire. Because that Roman Empire, it was during John's day when he wrote this, but then it was not, it ended, and many people think it's going to come back. And there's a, there's a partial truth to that, but I think it, uh, the truth of that is incomplete. We'll get to that in a little bit. But verse 9 says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. Uh, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And many people think that's talking about Rome. That's the city on seven hills. And I think there's some legitimacy to that just because of the fact that during John's day, I believe that Babylon was Rome. For sure, in his day. But it says in verse 10, And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So what's that talking about right there? Five kings, one are fallen, one is, and there's, there's one about to come, and then there's an eighth that goeth into perdition. And what's that? Because remember, this beast, a lot of times people look at that and they'll look at people. Okay? They'll look at uh, who the people were, and the preterists will use this because if you look at the Caesars, you know, the fifth, there was five, the five Caesars, and then the sixth one, the one that is, was Nero, who was like first king of truth. I, I, I think it was Nero, I can't remember. Or, um, you know, the order of all of them, and they try to use that to say it was talking about the Caesars from back then, but actually, if you look it up, there was way more than eight Caesars. And so, there's no way that fit. But what I think it's talking about, because this beast represents a one-world government, well, there was other one-world governments in the past, wasn't there? And if you look at it, you know, historically, who the governments were, um, you know, kind of the order of, let me look here at my notes, make sure I, I get it right. But we have, because uh, remember, it says five are fallen. So the first one, I think, was Egypt. You know, Egypt was the first world power. They got big. They, uh, remember, uh, Israel, they, you know, Israel was in bondage there for 400 years. They kind of came into power really because of Joseph when you stop and think about it. You know, that seven years of famine that came over all the world, only Egypt was ready for it. And so while that, those seven years of famine brought the world to his knees, it also brought Egypt to great power. But they eventually ended up falling after um, they were defeated by God, after God brought them out of the land of Israel. But there was Egypt. There was Assyria, and then there was Babylon, you know, the Medes and the Persians, and then Greece was the fifth one, and then you had Rome. So you had the five that were fallen, the five governments, I guess you could say, and then you had the one that is at the present time, which was Rome during the time, but then there was another one that was yet to come, and I believe that's the one world government that is coming, that is on its way. And then we're going to see that that government, it gives all of its power and its authority to the beast. And so I believe that that eighth, you could say, is the Antichrist. So you have a one world government form and then it gives all of its power to the beast. And you'd say, I guess, or the Antichrist. And you could say that that's the eighth. 
And you know, and so that, you know, this is one of those things. You know, people might disagree on that. I think it kind of makes sense that this beast that's talking about here is a one-world government, and when it talks about the five and the one that is and one coming, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But um, look at what it says. Uh, I lost my spot. Uh, verse. 12, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. So those are the ten kings that are going to come up. Most people believe that when that one world government forms, they're going to be kind of, you know, ten regions or whatever, ten kings, but then they're going to give all of their authority to the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And so what I personally believe is going to happen is that one world government is going to form at the beginning of the tribulation, and there's going to be a lot of persecution during that time. And then, at the midpoint, that's probably when they are going to give all of their power and authority to the Antichrist, and then he's going to be that eighth that goeth into perdition. And we see, I think last week, uh, we talked about him, you know, the man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, talking about the abomination of desolation. And then after that, when he goes into perdition, basically when the devil takes over him, he's going to you know, go, into the, uh, go into the temple, declare himself to be God. And then what is he going to do? He's going to declare war on the saints like never before. And then we're going to have great tribulation. And so that's personally how I believe it's going to play out and what all of this is talking about right here. And so, you know, this beast, though, it's one that's been around before, but it's going to resurface again. Okay, because there's been other world governments in the past. We don't have one right now. We're working towards one. And I don't think it's going to be long before we get one. But this beast too, and we're not going to take time to look at it, but if you go back and you study Daniel, uh, I forgot, I think it's Daniel chapter 8 and 9, I can't, I, or 8, I can't remember. But remember, Daniel saw all those different beasts coming up out of the sea. And you know, there was one like a bear and another one like a leopard. And you had all these beasts that were coming up that represented those kingdoms that were to come. The Babylonian kingdom, the Medes and the Persians. Uh, the Greece, the Greek kingdom, and then the Romans. Daniel saw all those beasts. And then in Revelation, when you go to there, you see a beast that's kind of a combination of all those beasts in the book of Daniel. What is that talking about? Well, I personally believe what's happening is all of those world kingdoms from the past, you know, it's, it's basically showing how it's resurfacing it, but it's just, it's all kind of one again. Because what's happening, when we look at world governments, okay, whenever, whenever we look at governments, we always kind of are looking at people, aren't we? You know, when we think about the you know, Greek Empire, we think of guys like Alexander the Great. You know, when we think of Rome, you know, we think of guys like Caesar Augustus and Nero and Caligula and all those people. Like that. We think of people, don't we? But in the Bible, we're not going to take time to look at all the scriptures in this. We just don't have time. Like in the book of Daniel, we see that there's different princes, don't we? They kind of rule over all these different areas that are actually, you know, devils that are demonic spirits. And those are actually the ones that are pulling the strings. Those are the ones that are actually in charge and they just use different men. And at the end of the day, the one who's in charge of all these is the devil. 
Okay, you know, do you think the devil was crying when the Babylonians got defeated by the Medes and the Persians? Absolutely not. Because you know what? He was still he was in charge of that group too. And he wasn't crying when the Greeks took over or when Rome took over. He wasn't crying when any of those things happened. He was the one that was in control of all those things. But in the last, you know, couple thousand years, or not, you know, last several hundred years, there hasn't been another, you know, one world government. And you know, you have to ask yourself, what is man's motivation to take over the world? You know, who needs that? Who needs the, who needs that pressure? You know, to be in charge of the whole world. I'm not interested in that one bit. You know, I just like to have a country that's safe. You know, I, I wish our country would just focus more on keeping things safe within our borders and just worry about that and worry about fixing ourselves, you know, morally. You know, I, instead of worrying about the fact that they're throwing homos off buildings over in places like Iran, I wish we would worry about homos molesting children over here in the United States. You know, it's, it's, it's so messed up. We're so backwards in this country. And Christians fall for it too. Most Baptists today, especially your Fox News Baptists, they're always cheering war on. As long as it's against Muslims. Because that's good for the Jews apparently. And people think if we go and we fight other countries, you know, that's, we're blessing the Jews. And if we're blessing the Jews, then God's going to give us money. You know, God's, that's going to help us out financially. And that's just sad. And let me tell you, you know, our greed is going to catch up to us on these things. But that, that's ridiculous. We, that, when do you see anywhere in the Bible where God was telling Israel to go invade other countries just to help those countries out? We see him invading different groups all the time. It's because they were in their land. It was ones that were in their land. They were supposed to go after that. But, you know, God never sent Israel and said, hey, you know what? Why don't you just go destroy this country, you know, super far away from you just because they're wicked? No, they fought people that were in their land. And that's appropriate. And uh, I, I think that's okay. But for us to just go invading other lands, you know, to help with world peace, how is that our business? God has not given that to any country. And I don't think we ought to be trying to do that. But this, uh, this woman that's here, this woman that's on the beast, I believe she's always had the same goal. One world government, one world religion. And you understand this woman, she represents something. Okay, she's not a literal woman. She represents something. Or I guess you could say, or some place. I, and so, um, go back to Genesis chapter 11, because it's called Mystery Babylon the Great. So let's go back to the beginning of Babel, or Babylon. It was called Babel in the beginning, and let's look at a few things about it, because it hasn't changed. Babylon has not changed. And it says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. Uh, and they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They didn't want to be scattered across the earth, did they? They said, Let's all stay in one place. Let's all be one people. Let's all be one. Now, doesn't that sound wonderful? When you hear that, it probably sounds good to you, doesn't it? You know why? Because you probably watch a lot of TV. 
You know, you watch a lot of Fox News. You watch a lot of just regular television. And what is it we hear all the time? You know, we're always supposed to unite. But is that what God wanted? God wanted them to spread out. God wanted them to be fruitful and multiply. God wanted them to spread out. Why does God want people to spread out? And think about when Jesus, uh, after Jesus ascended to heaven, He gave them the Great Commission. He didn't tell them all to just stay in Jerusalem. He did until the day of Pentecost, until the Holy Spirit came. But even after Pentecost, they remained in Jerusalem, didn't they? And the Bible says, you know, they had all things in common. But that, was that what God's plan was? No, God wanted them to go into all the world. Now, why does God want people to spread out? Why isn't He for just everybody coming together? Why isn't He for us just all being one? I mean, doesn't that sound great and wonderful? I mean, I have people all the time coming after me like, you know, why are you so divisive? Why are you always attacking, you know, other preachers and other denominations and blah, blah, blah? You know, why why you go after the dispensationalists like you do? Well, okay, why don't we do that? What would, hap- what would happen if all of a sudden we just said, you know what, it's time for Christians to unite. Let's all, you know, what if we just unite with all the King James Baptists? Well, that would be terrible. Because look at what's being taught in a lot of King James Baptist churches with the dispensational salvation. Should we, do we want to team up with that? Do we want to team up with Baptists who are King James only that are teaching that you have to turn from your sins in order to be saved? Should we team up with that? Uh, you, know, you know, these are just minor differences. No, these are actually big differences. And, you know, but let's do it. Let's just say we team up with all of them. Well, now salvation's been compromised. Now let's team up, but you know, if you do that, people aren't going to be satisfied. Now they're going to want to say, well, what about people that use other versions? As long as they preach the same gospel, right? You know, now we don't have final authority anymore. And then, I mean, it, it's just never going to end. Because people in the world are already today, you know, why can't Christians and Jews and Muslims all get along? That's, isn't that what the world's pushing for? You know, everybody went nuts over Donald Trump because of the fact he made Jerusalem, the, uh, the, you know, announced Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, moved the American embassy over there, and everybody's going nuts over it like Donald Trump's this wonderful Christian. But then I listened to Donald Trump when he was making a speech about the whole thing. You know what he, he said when talking about Jerusalem? You know, he said that's where three great religions came from. Talking about Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Now, is that the attitude we want to have? Do we want to refer to Islam as a great religion? I mean, I guess you can call it great if you mean great isn't big. Maybe that's what he meant. No, that, you know, when he says great, you all know what he said. He uses that word a lot. <laughs> and he, he used that talking about himself. You know, but it's, that, that's, that's not a great religion. Judaism of today is not a great religion. It's a wicked religion. And you know what? Most of the Christianity in Israel today is a bunch of garbage too. You got all these Greek Orthodox churches over there. You got all these Catholic churches over there. That's not even Christian. But that's what he's talking about. And everybody's like, you know, all these groups need to unite. That, my friends, is the attitude of Babylon. Let's all come together. And why do we need all the religions to unite? Well, because if all the religions unite, it will be easier for all the nations to unite. Because most nations are, you know, kind of governed by some type of, you know, religious code, I guess you could say. At least it used to be that way. 
You know, the Muslim nations are still like that. But then even there used to be, you know, a lot of uh, of Catholic type nations where Catholics kind of ran things, ran the government. America is probably the only, you know, the closest thing there's ever been to a Christian nation. But we are not that today. I mean, we have got a little bit of everything in this country, and we are seen as bad if we criticize another religion. And if we're seen as bad is if we talk about Jesus as the only way to heaven. But understand that that attitude of us all coming together and uniting, that's wonderful if we're all uniting in truth. Jesus, you know, when Jesus was born, the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Okay? So that's the only thing that we can unite around is Jesus Christ that will actually accomplish anything for good. It's the only thing that will get us into heaven, Jesus Christ. But the world, it's always been about all coming together. You know why? Because if, as you get groups to come together, then all you got to do is corrupt the head and then the rest is all bad, don't you? And we are better off in the world when we have many nations and many people. You know, it was our founders had it right when they had uh, the United States divided up into states and having state back when we had states' rights and state governments. That because now you know we don't have states' rights anymore. You know that gets that's we lost that in the Civil War, and now. Our government, Washington, D.C., is as corrupt as all get out and it's hurting all 50 states. In all 50 states, we have gay marriage in this country. Why? Because the head has been corrupted and it's ruining all 50 states. That is not the way that this country was set up. That was not the way it was founded, but that is what it has turned into. And so now all of the United States is getting corrupted. It's better when things are spread out. And you know what? Religion will always be better, I believe, when you have multiple religions. When there is division. Because if we all join up, the head's going to get corrupted every time. And then we're going to have a mess. We're going to have, and then it's all going to be bad. And I think, I think it's better the way it is. I think we do need to sometimes have division. We need to purge out the leaven. Well, what's going to happen when we get rid of the leaven? What's going to happen here? If we go, if we get some leaven that comes into this church, we get some people in here that start teaching a works-based salvation. As a church, what should we do? We should get rid of those people. Well, what do we think they're going to do? You think the leaven's just going to go away and disappear? No, they're going to go start another church somewhere. It's exactly what they're going to do. It's what's, that's what's always been done. It's what's always going to continue to happen. But like, oh, well, no, we can't have that. We got to have people uniting. We can't around false doctrine. That's bad when that happens, but that's what our world wants. It's always talking about uniting. Let's all be one. And God has a problem. I believe God has a problem with the united world. God intended for everything to spread out. See, and why did God do that? Why, you know, why did God, after you know, they came off the ark in Noah's day, why did God want them spreading out? You know why? It's because of the fact that God is not looking... You know, I get um, God's not looking for this world to fix itself because he knows it can't. It's not going to happen. It's too corrupt. God's just looking for a remnant. 
And not long after they spread out the Tower of Babel, what did God do? God picked Abraham. Why? Because he was of faith. God ended up choosing Abraham. God ended up focusing all his attention on one nation, didn't he? The nation of Israel. God focused all... Those were his people. That one nation. What about all those other nations? It, God wanted to focus on those who are of faith. That one group. They are his people. And we see that you know those of faith, they never have been the majority, have they? Ever. They, and they never will be the majority. And if we unite under anything earthly, it's a guarantee it's going to be corrupted. Because we're corruptible. And so, you know, um, while, you know, while intentions of uniting might be good, and while the starting might be good, it can't possibly last because it's run by man and we're corruptible. And so we need to understand we don't want institutions, we don't want religions, governments think based off of men because we're corruptible. It's going to go bad. And I could, if I, you know, I could probably come up with a great plan, a great model for, you know, a coalition of churches, how we could all kind of come together. And if they would just join and they would just follow my plan, it would be beneficial for Christendom. And you see that plan, man, this plan's great. It's foolproof. But the thing is, there's one problem. If I'm the head of this thing, it's just a matter of time before it goes bad because I'm corruptible. And man, you know, man is corruptible, and so we aren't. We're not about forming, and you, you know, we're supposed to be about just spreading out, spreading the gospel, and it, it's better that way. It's what God intended, and I personally believe that ten small churches will always be better and accomplish more than one big church, because one, that one big church, what's going to happen? If the pastor goes bad, that whole church is now bad, and people always look to the big churches. You know, for guidance and as, as an example. And they end up leading many people astray. But those smaller churches, you know, it's going to be hard for ten different churches to all fall into the same stupidity and the same false doctrine. And so, it is, it's, it's the way God intended. God intended for things to spread out. And we got a lot of churches today. These big churches, they are, they're just basically building a kingdom here on this earth. Just building a kingdom. Just building an empire. And they all eventually go bad, don't they? But you know what? Thank God for those churches who have gotten pretty big. But the one thing they did, they started other churches too. And while theirs eventually went bad, at least those other churches are still out there and accomplishing things. And it's like that for any, any big church. All the great big churches that you hear about from the past and from the early days, you know, they're either gone or just absolutely worthless today. But the thing is, the churches that they started, the things that they produced, areas where they spread out, a lot of those things are still going. Some of their fruit is still remaining. And so that needs to be the attitude we have. It shouldn't be our desire to just be this big, massive church. You know, it ought to be our desire to spread out. It ought to be our desire to be sending people out of this church and starting other churches and, and sending people out to be missionaries in other parts of the world. That should be the goal and the intention. But... Uh, we got to keep them all here because we've we got to build that big palace. And then if we're going to be able to maintain the mortgage payment on that big palace that we built, we've got to keep everybody here. And the last thing we want to do is be sending out all our workers and sending out preachers and missionaries. But, um, but this, this Babylonian attitude, mentality, 
It's everybody coming together. But no, we're supposed to be spreading out. And so the woman, you know, it calls her the mother of harlots. And so you could say, or you could say the mother of false religion. And I think Babylon, it kind of gets credited as the mother of false religion. We see in the Bible that Sarah, uh, she's represented, a representative of Jerusalem in the book of Galatians. You know, God often used women to represent things in the Bible. And Sarah, she represents Jerusalem, which is where true religion comes from. And he mentions Hagar in that same passage. She represents Mount Sinai, which is where the law comes from. And so I think here we can say when it comes to this woman, this whore of Babylon, she is, she's just the mother of all false religion. Because you know what? They all, they all connect to each other. They're all connected, every one of them. We don't have time to go into you know, how the uh, churches all connect to each other. But, um, oh, lost my spot. Look at verse uh, 6. Now this right here is one of the biggest reasons people think it's Jerusalem. But I'm going to show you where I think they're, pro- they're missing the mark. It says in verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So she's responsible for the blood of the martyrs, of the blood of the saints. Okay? I think that's talking too about the Old Testament saints and the martyrs of Jesus, the New Testament saints. Now you say, well, how does that fit the United States? Because... We don't really have a history of killing Christians, do we? All right, but who does right now? Who do we often think of when we talk when it comes to killing saints? We think of the Catholic Church, don't we? Or Rome. And this is a lot of people use this passage to say, no, this is talking about Rome. This is proof that it's the Catholic Church. But at the same time, you can't really you can only use history to prove that. But the people who believe it's Jerusalem, they got some pretty good Bible. To back up their argument, let's look at a few of these verses. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 34. It says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation... O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chicken under, chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. So right here it credits Jerusalem for being the one to kill the prophets. Going all the way back, but notice it says going all the way back to Abel. Was Israel around during Abel's time? Obviously not. Okay, but it credits Jerusalem for being the one who killed all the prophets. And there's other verses too that you know give Jerusalem credit for uh, killing the prophets. But at the same time, the thing that we need to understand about that is what the Jews in Jerusalem was doing during Jesus' time. When they, were, when they killed Jesus. When they were killing those prophets. Was that what they were chosen to do? Okay, remember, Israel, my contact is all messed up tonight. Israel is God's chosen people, right? They were God's chosen people. Did God, what does that mean to be chosen? God chose them for something, didn't He? Did God choose them to kill the prophets? Did God choose them, you know, to kill the Messiah? 
God didn't choose them to do those things, but they did those things, didn't they? They went into idolatry all the time, didn't they? Did God choose them to do that? Was that what they were elected or ordained to do? No, but they did it often, didn't they? Okay, They did things that they were not meant to do. They had rejected the true God and joined up with the devil, didn't they? And so, therefore, they were of their father, the devil. And therefore, they were not the true Israel. And you say, well, what about guys like, you know, David and Solomon? You know what they were called? They were called the remnant. It's always been a remnant that was the true Israel. Not everyone. For they are not all Israel that are of Israel. That's not just today. That was even in the Old Testament. Korodath and Abiram that we looked at Sunday, do you think those guys went to heaven? Absolutely not. You know what? Those guys were lost. They weren't of faith. They were not of Israel. And we see throughout the history of Israel, you see those of faith, you see believers, but you also see unbelievers too. And as a whole, they, Israel was pretty bad most of their history, weren't they? But there was always that remnant. Those who were of faith. And so, you know, the true Jews, the seed of Abraham, the true seed of Abraham, those of faith, they were still God's people and they are still God's people. Those Old Testament saints, they will receive all the promises that they were given in the Old Testament, but the physical seed lost it, didn't they? They lost it when they rejected Messiah and joined up with the devil, therefore becoming a part of the Babylonian system. See, look what in Matthew 21, 42, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind unto powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. So it, we, uh, I didn't read the part before that, but he gave that parable about you know how he sent the prophets and they were beating them, and then he sent his son saying they'll reverence him, and they killed him, talking about Israel. And he said because of that, the kingdom was going to be taken from them and given to another nation. The physical seed of Abraham, they lost the kingdom, and it was given to the spiritual seed. And that's where the the dispensationalist and the you know, the, the Zionist crowd, I think they're willingly ignorant about what we actually believe about replacement theology. They're always like, you know, you believe the New Testament church replaced Israel. But look at all these verses in the Old Testament where God promised to preserve Israel and, you know, keep, you know all these eternal promises. But the thing that they don't realize is those eternal promises were not to a physical people, a physical seed, plural, but one seed, which was Jesus Christ. And those who are in Christ are Abraham's seed. So who is in Christ? Is it just the New Testament church? No, it's all those who are of faith. So all of those believing Jews from the Old Testament, they're going to get everything that was promised to them. Everything. But the physical seed, people like those scribes and Pharisees, those unbelievers, they lost it. The physical seed got it, but the, the, or the spiritual seed got it, but the physical seed, they lost it. And that, and so that, they are not all Israel that are of Israel. 
That is true today and it was true back in the Old Testament time. And so, understand, when you see Israel you know, going and killing the prophets, when you see them re- you know, rejecting the Messiah, killing Jesus, understand that what they were doing, it was not a Jewish thing. It was a Babylonian thing. It was of the devil. Jesus told them, ye are of your father, the devil. And the devil is, he's what's behind the whole Babylonian system. And so many, the, the people who look at Jerusalem as Babylon, so the thing that they, they, I think where they're kind of missing the mark is they don't understand that no, those physical Jews, okay, Jerusalem couldn't have turned into Babylon. Jerusalem was always a good thing. Okay, but understand when these people, that physical seed, when they went and chose to follow the devil, they were no longer of Jerusalem anymore. They were no longer of Israel. They were of their father, the devil. And so what killed the prophets, the system that killed the prophets, it was the same system that caused Abel to be killed. And that was a false religion, a works based religion. Remember Cain? He brought the fruit of the ground, but God did not accept his offering. But he did accept Abel's. Abel had faith. Cain did not. Cain was wroth with Abel. He killed Abel. And that type of thing has been going on since then. Where those who want to work their way to heaven, those who want to do it themselves, those who want to build a tower to reach to heaven themselves, they're constantly persecuting those who are of faith. And it's been going on since Cain and Abel, and it's going to go on until Jesus comes back. That is exactly what they're going to do when that one world government forms and that one world religion forms. What are they going to do? They can't just leave alone the true believers. They're going to persecute us. They're going to try to take us out. And physically speaking, they're going to succeed until those days are cut short by the rapture. And so, you know, people think that the USA can't be Babylon because we're not responsible for the martyrs. But we need to realize the most brutal killing of believers is yet to come. That's something that's going to happen during the tribulation. It says in Revelation 18.24, it says, And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all that were slain upon the earth. Well, you can't credit all of the blood of the martyrs to Jerusalem today, can you? Because did, did Israel and the Jews have anything to do with what went on, the Inquisitions and all those things? No, they didn't. And there's people out there too, they want to blame the Jews for everything. I'm sorry, we can't blame the Jews for everything. And they want to talk about how Jews were the ones that actually took over, you know, that formed the Catholic Church and it's, you know, Jews are involved in everything. You, you can get a little too crazy with some of that stuff, alright? Truth is, we're all of one blood. And the problem is not the bloodline of the people who founded all these things. The problem is the system that they're following and it's of the devil. And it doesn't really matter where they came from. It doesn't matter if Constantine was really a Jew or if Hitler was really a Jew or you know all these things that people bring up. They make everybody out to be a Jew physically somehow. That, do, that, that doesn't matter. Okay? That really doesn't matter. The thing is, there's a system out there that's always been around. It hates those of faith. It wants to make its own way to heaven. It wants to unite the world into its system. And it's always trying to kill those who are against it. And the problem is not that their father was a Jewish person. The problem is their father is the devil. That's all there is to it. 
And even if you do a DNA test and they don't find one shred of evidence that you are related to any Jew at all, okay, you can still be a part of that system that they are from because it's not about bloodline. It is about, it's about a religious philosophy. And so the most brutal killing that's to come, it might be implemented by the United States. I don't know. It might be, we might be the ones doing it. Or not we. They, you know, they, they, might, they might be the ones doing it. I don't know for sure. And when they are, when that system, because we see in chapter 18, that while I do believe that Babylon is a religious system, I guess you could say, or a government system, kind of all together, we do see in the Bible that it always had a different geographical location. And that's where I think the best arguments in the world all point to it being the United States right now. As far as a geographical location, I'll get a little more on that in a minute. But, you know, who do you think the real founder of Babylon is? Do you think it's Nimrod? Or do you think it's Satan himself? Now, he used men like Nimrod, but it was Satan. He was the one behind it. You know, whose will did the Jews do when they killed the prophets and Jesus? They didn't do the will of some man. They did the will of the devil. He was the one that was behind that. And so, you know, all reli- all false, you know, the, you know, the physical seed of Abraham, I believe they just became part of that wicked system. When they rejected Christ, they joined up with the devil. You know why? Because all false religions come from Babylon. She's the mother of harlots. So, oh, there's, you know, there's no connection between Jews and this religion. All false religion all come from the devil. And what false religion includes any religion that is not about Jesus Christ and faith in Him. That, that's all there is to it. And so, you, 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 can, you can come up with all those diagrams kind of showing how they're all connected. And the truth is, there's those of faith and those who aren't. And they're all connected to the devil. They're all connected to Babylon. And Babylon, you know, uh, they came before physical Israel did. And so how could Israel be responsible for Abel? Okay, it's because Israel, those people that Jesus was talking to, became a part of that Babylonian system. They became part of a system that was of Satan himself, a works-based way to salvation. Isn't that why Jesus and John preached repentance? Because they thought... They were going to go to heaven because of their keeping of the law. But no, they need to repent of that. They need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see today that even in Baptist churches, people still have this idea, nope, you've got to keep the works of the law in order to be saved. No, you can't keep the works of the law. You've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to have a works-based religion, if we want to have a works-based, teach a works-based salvation, no matter what way we spin it, no matter what way we color it, it's Babylon right there. Workspace. Trying to build our own way to heaven. Trying to build a tower we may reach to heaven. Spiritually speaking, and it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. God's not going to let it happen. He's going to destroy us if we do that. And so, uh, while I believe the great whore is a religious system, I believe it's always had a location or a headquarters. And... There's no doubt in John's day it was Rome. That's why I think he mentioned you know, the seven mountains that she sits on. He was painting a picture of Rome during that day because that was, the, that was where Babylon sat. They were the ones in power. And I don't think there's any doubt today that the United States is that world. You know, we're the only 
real world power that there is. We are that harlot that's just all over the place. We can't abide in our own house. We're all over. We're on every corner in every country. We are the superpower of the world. Just everywhere. And our government, you know, it has our government. You think about this too, because all these Christians that want to cheer America on when we're going and invading other countries. Oh, you know, we, we, we got to help those, you know, poor Muslims. You know, they're killing their own people. You know, they're doing this to their women. You know, they're torturing homos. They're doing all these things. We want to go over there and save them from, from those things. But here's the question no Christians ask. Now, I understand the world getting this wrong. I understand Fox News getting this wrong. But I don't understand Christians getting this wrong. Has our government, when we've gone into these other countries, have we done one thing to spread the gospel in those countries? No. And most Christians would say, well, you know, it's not the government's place to spread the gospel. Well, here's the problem. If we don't spread the gospel, we're not going to do those countries any good. You know, even if we get them to stop killing homos and, you know, not give equality to women, they're still going to go to hell if they don't receive Jesus Christ. So what good did we do? We didn't do any good. So why as Christians would we be cheering that on? Why would we be for that? You know, our, our, in our country too, one thing our country does do is it actually still encourages, you know, Islam. It taught, our, like I said, Trump talked about it as a great religion. Bush talked about it as a great religion. Obama practiced it as a religion, pretty much. I mean, and so we think our president, we think President Trump, who talks about Islam as a great religion, is going to go in those countries and help spread the gospel? No, what's he going to do? He's just going to build up a more mild form of Islam. And how is that going to help people? It's not going to work. You know, our country, I mean, we've, we've built mosques in those other countries. Can you imagine if our military went and took over those countries like we do and we built churches? Can you imagine the fit that people would throw? But understand that without Jesus, those countries are doomed anyway. So what in the world are we doing going over there, taking them over just so we could, you know, let them have a more mild form of Islam? It's not accomplishing anything. Well, you know, we, we got to protect Israel. Well, if Israel is so great like these people think and has God's hand on it like they think, I mean, do we really think anything's going to happen to Israel? You know, we see, you know, well, you know, Iran wants to nuke Israel. Well, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. You know why? Because the abomination of desolation has to happen in Jerusalem. So it's not going to get, it's not going to get nuked. Well, maybe God wants America to stop that from happening. And we need to stop it so we can get all the blessings. Now, God uses wicked countries to deal with wicked countries. We don't want to be the one that's doing these things. And because, you know, unfortunately, a lot of innocent people die when we invade these countries. And God sees that. And God has a problem with it. And so we do. We, but our government, we haven't done one thing to spread the gospel. We're spreading, you know, just wickedness is all we're doing. And, you know, in America, the United States, we are the strongest influence on the culture of the world, too. Thanks to Hollywood. You know, it's amazing. I've seen, too, some of these in some of these uh, European countries where the Muslims are all practically invading have you ever looked at how they dress? They all wear like American name brand clothing, don't they? 
And I've seen a lot of Muslim people that look like queers, the way they dress. Where did that come from? It came from, you know, American culture. Our stuff is what goes out all over the world. Our clothes go all over the world. I was just watching a video online. Somebody posted a video of this Chinese lady. She was getting ready to cut a chicken's head off. And it was in this real poor looking area, probably right in China. And this little boy is just freaking out big time. I mean, he's like these deep dirt poor people. You know, they're all laughing. It's funny and everything. But I noticed the little boy, he's wearing Hello Kitty pajama pants. Pink Hello Kitty pajama pants. Now, why was he doing that? Is it because they're trying to train him to be a homo? No, it's because they're real poor, and that was just all they had. But that's an American thing. Our stuff, it's all over the world, isn't it? Our clothing, our movies. When I went to Israel, there were signs everywhere, I remember, of Jim Carrey for some movie that had just come out. I mean, all over the place are these Jim Carrey pictures in Israel. And I'm just like... Don't they have their own actors over here? <laughs> you know? But uh, it, it's just, you know, we are, we are a huge influence. And Hollywood, anybody see anything Christian coming out of there? Oh, yeah, the, the Exodus movie, right? The most Christian bail. Don't even get me on that movie. That was ridiculous. Or the Noah movie where God was judging the earth because we were harmful to the environment. I, that was that was the dumbest thing I ever saw in my life. Don't get me going on these Bible movies. But we are we are the melting pot of all nations. We are the one country that would devastate all other nations if we were destroyed. And so uh, I I don't believe that the Antichrist is going to come from America, but I do believe that the United States will be the whore that brings him to power. Because a whore is it's a woman that's just used. For the purpose of someone else. They don't care about her. And we see too, we don't have time to go on all the scriptures, but they do, they hate the, they hate the whore. We see that they are in, they're going to end up turning on her and killing her. And I personally believe what's going to happen. I believe the U.S., you know, or the United Nations maybe, but pro- probably mostly the U.S. When the United Nations does anything, you know, the, or the, whatever the world comes together to do anything, the United States does most of it. We are the country that gets used and abused by the world, for sure. But I do. I believe we're going to be the country that helps give the Antichrist his power. I think he's probably more than likely to come out of Israel, personally. And look, we do everything. Everything we're doing in the Middle East is for Israel. And we're going to help bring to power. And then you know what's going to happen? After they get their power, after they have their way with us, Thankfully, as believers, we won't be here when Babylon's destroyed. Thank God for that. It's going to get destroyed in one day. Read Revelation chapter 18, but we are gone by the time that happens. But understand that after that beast, that one world system has its way, after it gets what it needs from us, you know what it's going to do? It's going to turn and it's going to destroy. It's going to turn and kill and America's going to have it coming. We have it coming. We had no business going, invading all these countries, and doing all the things we did. And so, uh, you know, I think Babylon, it's a name for a system that tries to unite the world in false religion, which is anything besides Christ. Anything besides Christ, it's not about faith in Him. The devil has obviously always been behind it. And I believe he's always had a main location. And I personally think right now it fits the United States the best. And so, I think right now the beast 
is not. I don't think that beast has risen yet. We don't have a one world empire yet. I think it is not right now, but it's going to come. It's going to continue a short space, three and a half years, and then it's going to go into perdition. Satan himself will be running it. And so, it, you know, I think the beast could rise tomorrow. So it wouldn't take much to kick the events off that it would need. And I bet it, I personally think it would rise in Israel. I think the U.S. would be the whore that would give, give him what he needs to come to power. And so, what we need to watch out for is we got to watch out for stuff in groups that are always trying to get us to unite. You know, we're not going to be a part of these, you know, interfaith things that churches are getting involved. We're not going to do that. We're not going to take, take part in that. If all the churches decide to have some big thing and get together, I fully intend to make sure our church is not a part of it. Because we're not supposed to join up with false religions. And I think it's bad when all the nations come together in unity because it's always bad that ends up coming from it. And we need to, right now in the meantime, you know. so what should our views be politically? Well, we need to let other nations have their sovereignty. But they're terrible to their people. Well, listen, do we want people invading our country for the things we're doing bad? We kill unborn babies in this country. We let homos get married. We let perverts run rampant in this country. Our country is as wicked as all get out. We're letting perverts spread diseases all over the place. Our country, we're, we're in all these other countries messing with stuff that we shouldn't be messing with. I mean, I, what if some other country said, you know what, we don't like America for that. We're going to go invade them for that. Do we want that? I would rather us as the United States fix our own problems than for some other country to come in and fix our problems. That's what I would rather have. Yeah, there's a lot of wickedness I would love to see disappear tomorrow. But I don't want China to come over here and get rid of it. Mostly because I wouldn't trust them to do a good job anyway. <laughs> but, or, but any other country. And so we, we, we shouldn't get caught up in that. And so just understand, the thing. You know, while we don't know for sure what Babylon is, where it is, all those things, it's clear what it's all about. And it's about uniting all the people in government and religion. And we want to stay away from that. We don't want to have any part of that. We believe in separate government, separate nations, separate churches. And that's, that's the best way I can make sure there's always a remnant. Because that's what God's looking for. God's not looking for that whole nation that comes together for Him. No, God's just looking at, for that remnant. He's looking for those people of faith. And we need to be that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your goodness. I pray You'll help us to... Not get caught up in all this one world junk, Lord, and all this coexist mentality that's out there. But Lord, I pray you'll help us to just uh, remain faithful. I pray you'll help us to recognize the sovereignty of other countries, just as we ought to recognize the uh, independence of other churches. And we ought to recognize the independence of individual families, Lord, that we will not be about just, you know, taking over and uh, making all these coalitions. It's not the way you intended, Lord, but I pray you'll help us to see ourselves as individuals that are accountable to you and that uh, I pray you'll help us to be a country that allows religious freedom, Lord, not because we like these other religions that are running rampant in our country, but because it actually makes it possible for there to be some true religion. And I pray you'll uh, help us to do all we can to preserve that in this country. In your name we pray. Amen.